It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of On the Clock. I did not mess up the intro today, Chris. So we are flying high, coming out of the gates hot. Today I am joined by Christopher Wecht. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. We are breaking down draft results. Today we're looking at the NFC South and the AFC South. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Let's talk about some more draft stuff. Yes, I like that. You're you're all about your business. Just, you know, screw the intros and the the uh you know the people want to hear the football talk. Right? Want to hear the football That's talk. what they're here for. They're not, they're not here for anything else. All right, we'll, we'll dive right in. Let's start with the NFC South. Let's, let's take a look at the Atlanta Falcons draft, Chris. This one's highly scrutinized because they took a running back in the top 10, which, um, you know, not great, Bob. No, probably not being as scrutinized as much. The Gibbs cover is giving them a, a lot of cover, yes. but, but it is equally as bad. Just You, you just, yeah, Bijan has to be in a – absolute elite prospect from day one for them to get any kind of value out of this pick. That being said, this is the way they like to run their team. Although you already have, you've already made investments in your passing offense with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And now you're making a massive investment into your running game. So it doesn't seem like the best use of resources by the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Arthur Smith noted unicorn chaser. He gets one in Bijan. You know, that, it is a bad pick because it's a running back. I'd be interested to see how much they dial up for him in the pass game. If they are going to use him as like the mismatch weapon that he can be, then it takes a little bit of this thing off, but really not that much. It just seems like a really weird pick for a guy heading into year three of his coaching career when you have a quarterback named Desmond Ritter and who's the backup? Tyler Heineke? Yeah. 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 I mean, what are we not- doing here, Arthur? He's like just so clearly not on the hot seat at all. Like he is. It, it makes you is, wonder. But what if they come out and they win four or five games? I. I it sounds like they. The, there was a. They did a press conference and they. He was mentioning how the yeah, when you know when he took this job he talked to the owner, um, Arthur Blank and he was like yeah this is going to take you know a few years we have this option we can go this route and maybe it's a little quicker this basically they said they took the longer route because they wanted to do it right oh. and they seemed very. So Arthur Blank seems on board with building this thing out how Arthur Smith views it, but I don't, I don't really know where they go with having all these, like you said, unicorns at offensive positions, but not drafting, not having a QB to work with whatsoever. And, and also, their offseason moves don't reek of a team taking the long route. Yeah, they they signed a they bunch of guys one year deals: Calais Campbell, David Anyameta, Bud Dupree. They traded for Jeff Okuda, who's on an expiring deal. I mean. They're clearly trying to get that defense ramped up so they can win games, which tells me maybe he is secretly on the hot seat, to be honest. They made some big offensive line investments, too, didn't they? They signed... um... Well, they re-signed Caleb McGarry, right? They didn't give Jake Matthews a long-term deal, I don't think. No, not him. He's also not good. Well, anyways... Further on in their draft, they went Matthew Bergeron in the second round. I actually... I thought this pick was decent. Um... 
I'm not sure how our model viewed it. Actually, I can. I guess I can look at that before I open my mouth. Yeah, it's 58th percentile pick, which I get. He was like 90th on my big board. However, where tackles go. Yeah, but he he went where tackles go. He was getting rumored to go in the first round. We saw the war room video of Jerry Jones and his guys talking Mozzie Smith or Bergeron at 26, and they got him what like 15 picks after that. So. A lot of people are going to say this was value. He does slide in at left guard for them. He he's going to play guard for them. Um, they they d- officially declared that basically. So um, left guard for now. If Jake Matthews moves on after this year, maybe he slides back out to left tackle. But I mean, I, I like you know the investment into the offensive line. It, it's nice. They they have a sneaky good offensive line to go with Bijan and those skill players. They just need a quarterback, and this offense should go. Maybe when Ryan Tannehill loses his job to Will Levis, they'll trade for him. So that would be a nice fit. And then to round out their meaningful picks, they took Zach Harrison in that was that the third round? Yep. Yeah, I what it's tough edge rushers were basically off the board. Yeah, it, that's why it feels like a reach. Like you you missed the wave on edge rushers. And is Harrison a bad player? No. But he's got a cap ceiling. He's got a kind of a, a funky body type. I just don't love it. Are you gonna stand him up too? Like is he gonna play the Bud Dupree role? I don't know. Weird. But their fourth round pick was good. I really like Clark Phillips. This was a 100th percentile pick for us. Um, obviously, we value corners very high in the model. It's a premium position. They get a guy who I had. Where did I have Phillips on my board? 75 on my board. They got him at 113. Kind of makes up for it. I rounded this out with a C-plus grade. You agree on that? Are you buying or that or selling it? Uh, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, I like <clears throat> the Clark Phillips pick is good. I, that gives them some combo of corners with AJ Terrell, Jeff Fakuda, and now Phillips. They've got some other guys too for, as depth pieces. They're, yeah, they might not be as terrible in the secondary as they've been. Plus, they added Jesse Bates in the offseason. That's another big move. Yep. I that's what I was gonna say. When you look at the completion of what they've done, they that secondary was really bad last year, and now they've basically kicked out the three worst starters. And they've replaced them with Jesse Bates, Jeff Akuda, and Clark Phillips. And all of those guys are still on the roster. So it's similar to what Detroit did in a way where they replaced the starters, but the starters are now reserve guys. So everyone kind of leveled up there. Their bench players are better. So if injuries do happen, they're a little bit more covered. So from, from that standpoint, I like what they've done with the secondary this offseason. But draft class C-plus for me. <clears throat> all right, the Bucks. Let's go Tampa Bay. They only really had three meaningful picks because of lack of draft capital. They went Kalijah Kansi at pick 19. Um, how did you feel about that pick? I I like the pick. I You know, they just need big hits. And I like taking the swing at a super athletic defensive tackle. You know, maybe he's the next Aaron Donald. Maybe he's, you know, not, not much of anything. But they, they just need a new identity. They need star players at basically any position that they can find them. So, yeah, go take a swing at a super athletic guy that, you know, had a good college career and, and see where see where he can take it yeah i i agree i i, I like kalijah i love what he brings to the table next to vita vea yeah it's super unique pairing yeah like just a monster space eater pocket pusher and then a guy who's just gonna create a ton of you know pressure and penetration and it's it's it is a really unique pairing and i think it could work i think if you know you basically want to ensure that a guy with with Kansi's quickness gets one-on-one looks. So Vea is going to take on a double team on pretty much every snap. I mean, this is it's a good way to do that. So 
I definitely like that pick. The Cody Mock pick, I, you know, our model didn't love this pick basically because of where he was on my big board. But in a vacuum, I, I like the idea of getting a versatile offensive lineman who can play left guard or left tackle for you. Um, they just needed an upgrade there. You know, the thing you worry about with him and the reason he was a little lower on my board than maybe consensus board was the developmental curve needed for him. He's a little unpolished. He needs a little add a little more size to his frame. He's coming from the FCS, and we've seen that those guys can work out in the NFL, but it takes a year or two. The Bucks have done it before, though. They drafted Ali Marpet, obviously, and turned him mm-hmm. into uh, an all-pro caliber player. So Cody Mott coming in, you know, does he play right away? That's the that's the frustrating part. It's like they seemed like they needed a left tackle right now. I think he's going to play right away. I mean, the question is where. But he could probably play guard for them right away. Their guard starters are nothing special. Uh, they've got Matt Filer, John Mulchin, Nick Leverett. Uh, none of those guys are, you know, what the offensive lines they've had in the past. And probably in the perfect world, Cody Mock eventually plays left tackle and they and they kick Tristan Worfs to right tackle or something like that. You see, they... So it looks like, according to our lads, it looks like Tristan Wirfs is going to play left tackle. And Luke Godkey moved out to right tackle. I don't know if they've confirmed that with the team. That would be interesting. Not the way I saw them doing that. But if that is true, then yeah, Cody Mock slides probably right guard in that scenario. Playing next to uh, Jensen and Godkey there. So overall, though, I like the idea of, of probably... I like the idea of getting... Cody Mock more than the model likes the idea of getting Cody Mock. And then they rounded out that last meaningful pick with Yaya Diaby, uh, edge defender from LSU. You know, I like they, they like powerful athletic guys and he brings at the table. It's just uh, it seemed like a reach similar to the Zach Harrison discussions like they missed the wave on edge so they kind of just took next best guy. Mm-hmm. So you know. we probably should talk. So they passed on Levis at 18. They, you know, they never tried to take Hooker or anything clearly a team that seems comfortable going into the year with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask being their QB. Are they just out on this year and playing for oh, the QBs next year? I don't think so. I mean, you look at their offseason moves, they've made moves that suggest they're trying to win right now. Um, they are in a bad division. They brought back Levante David. They brought back Jamel Dean. They still have – like, their secondary is still very good. The only guy they lost on defense was um, the slot corner. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. Sean Murphy Bunting, yeah. Everyone else came back. They, I mean, you don't bring those, especially like a Levante David. Why are you bringing him back if you're not trying to win? They they signed Greg Gaines from LA. Who that's a that's a low key underrated pick. So now they're they're running a, a trio of Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, and Kalijah Cansey there. I mean, and the old, the entire offense is intact minus the QB from last yeah, year. Exactly. And arguably, potentially upgraded with uh, Donovan Smith was just an average to below average player, and but you know you're potentially upgrading it with uh, Cody Mock here. So I don't know. I I think they're trying to win, man. <laughs> I think they're trying to win, and they do play in a, a rough division. So I gave this I gave this draft class a B. I didn't think it was bad, but it, I didn't definitely didn't think it was great either. Yeah, I would go B here. Um, Saints next. This is what I had trouble with because uh, they kind of fumbled in a couple spots. The Isaiah Foskey pick really sticks out. 
to me is a bad one. That was a 54th percentile grade. He was, we had him lower on our my board than even Diaby and Zach Harrison, two other guys we talked about. Common trend here in all four teams in this division is they all took unnecessary risk at edge. <laughs> all four of them did, which is funny. Um, Foskey, though, just, I don't see it with him. There's a reason he, you know, consensus board was pretty low, I think. And most, most guys I know don't really like him unless they were Notre Dame homers. And then, Kendra Miller in the third. I like Kendra a lot. It just not seemed, for this um, team. Not for the team, though. It just seemed unnecessary, right? Yeah. You take – you still – I know Kamara might miss some games this year with the suspension, but you still have him. You bring in Jamal Williams. You've – you know, they've gotten running back production out of a number of guys over the years. Yeah, I'm actually kind of leaning towards Kamara's probably done. In, in, really? in New Orleans, anyways. Really? Yeah, you don't, you don't do this unless – there's something going on there i mean well then that makes it more acceptable of a pick it does it does we gotta kind of wait and see on that but um nick Saldaveri was another pick you guy I, I he's from a small school i watched limited tape on him um you know this is a this is a, a quintessential new orleans pick interior offensive lineman they didn't pick up the fifth year option on yeah, they don't have deep color. Yeah, they're right guys. Interior lineman. They need a depth. Right. Potentially, he slides in at as a starter in 2024. And then two picks I did like, though, were Jake Hayner. I think that was a phenomenal pick. Um, probably a little early by your standards for a backup quarterback, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's never going to be anything. It is funny that all the Jake Hayner comps were Drew Brees light. And then he yeah, got- that definitely is the closest, probably, you know, the yeah. highest ceiling comparison anyway. Yeah, and then they took A.T. Perry in the sixth round or fifth? Yes, sixth round. Yeah, and I, I'm a huge A.T. guy. Now, obviously, he he lasted forever for for some reason. I want to know what teams saw or what they maybe they know something I don't. It's just a deep wide receiver room. That it's going to be just tough for him to really uh, – they've got – He has a different skill set, though. They don't have his skill set. They've no. got 12 receivers on the roster right now. Yeah, they like their receivers for sure. Yeah, he's definitely different. He's just he's just gonna have a tough time getting on the field. Yeah, all in all, I went D plus with this class. There's just not not really an impact guy. Yeah, yeah. I'd go. Brise is their best pick, and he was their first round pick. Yeah, I go. I go C minus. I think C minus. Pending the Camara, what happens with Camara? Like you said, like the Kendry pick becomes a lot better if if because Camara is not on the team yeah. anymore. Yeah, and that is about the range you want to take a, a running back that you think can start is about the third round. So, all right, Panthers. Um, obviously, they traded up to number one overall and grabbed up Bryce Young. The pick, love the pick. I don't know that I love the trade up for an outlier in Bryce. I probably right. went Richardson here to be honest. So I'll ding him a little bit for that, and then you kind of have to factor the capital they gave up to move to that spot. So not great, but you know at least it was for your franchise quarterback. Yeah, it's better than uh, Will Anderson or what another, you know what the Texans did. But yeah, not not great to trade up everything they did for what's going to have to be an outlier at the most important position. But at least it is for a QB. But it doesn't. It's not great for sure. Yeah, and they they went John Mingo in the second round. Um, percentile was this was only an 80th percentile pick. But I 
I like it. I like I I love immediately coming back receiver to quarterback. Like those guys are going to grow together. One thing I wrote up on Mingo in my profile was out of all of these weirdly casted receivers in this class of the small slot variety, like Mingo has like a legit chance to be a wide receiver one for a team um, with a little bit of development. And when you look at the other collection of parts the Panthers have, they don't have another guy like that on the roster. Like Thielen's over the hill, Chark's coming off two brutal injuries. Um, Terrace Marshall, I don't. I think we would have seen it by now. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I don't think he's going to be more than a, a a two or a three. So, so Mingo gives them that. Like I don't think they were getting another receiver with that kind of upside at that pick. I guess is what I'm saying. Like everyone else higher than Mingo on my board, you're looking at Tyler Scott. Well, like. Yeah, he's probably a better player than Mingo, but he's not a he's not a wide receiver one. He's a deep threat guy. He's a, he's like a Jalen Hyatt light. Um, I know Hyatt went after Mingo as well. Same thing though. Uh, who, who I'm blanking, I'm blanking on who? Rasheed Rice. Yeah, pretty much everybody but the big four went out, right? Mingo was the fifth. Yeah, wide Mingo was the five. So there were some guys that were higher on my board than Mingo, but I think for what the Panthers were trying to accomplish with that pick, they, it made sense getting a guy who can develop into that wide receiver one. And he's going to grow with Bryce. After that, the pick was DJ Johnson, and it was that's a terrible pick. I hated it. Um, his his film was just okay. He, I know they're they're betting on the traits with him, like freak athlete. Uh, I know they they had some success with undersized guys like him and Brian Burns, and then even Hassan Reddick before Reddick went to Philly. I just don't I, I don't love it. Now they know how to use those guys, so maybe they get the most out of him converting him from a full off the ball role to an, an edge defender role, but I don't know. They got a solid defense as it is too. They probably could have invested it. Like a tight end would have been awesome. I, I know they kind of like Tommy Tremble and Ian Thomas for some reason. Hayden Hurst. Yeah, he just got there. Yeah. Um but who knows what they really think of him. Like just keep giving Bryce Young ways to succeed. Yeah, for sure. Um, they made up for the DJ, DJ Johnson pick, though, with the Chandler Savala pick. Yep. Big-time Savala guy. He was, what, 89 on my board. They get him at 114. So it's about 30 picks after where I thought he should go. Um, and he's you know, he's got starter potential in year one for them. So, again, you're, you're just supporting your, your rookie quarterback, and I, I like that. Jamie Robinson, I don't see a score in here for Robinson. Is there a reason for that? Uh, he was just a fifth round pick. Just didn't oh, gotcha. in there. Yeah, yeah we kind of stopped scoring after the fifth to kind of alleviate the need to call players steals. Yeah, because everybody, everybody that goes later that is higher on breath for is going to give a good score. Yeah, but really, ball. it's just team fit and whatnot. Yeah. So, but Jamie Robinson's a good. He's a good safety. Um, and you know the Panthers do a really good job with these defensive backs and making them work. I think he's a good complement to. Um. Yeah, who is there? So they've got Von Bell and Xavier Woods, right? Jeremy Chin doesn't Chin, really play safety. Was the guy I was talking about. He's a good compliment yeah. to Chin, but yeah, yeah he, they, they he, like to move those safeties around. Level. So, yeah. oh, overall, I gave this a B plus. Uh, yeah, I go, I go B. Just yeah. trading, trading up for what they gave up for the outlier QB is a little questionable, but. It's the right it's the right mindset anyway yeah all right let's move over to the afc south start with the jags the jags what 
Not great. Not great. One of my least favorite drafts of the of the draft. Like the, I, I really, I felt like they reached pretty much every single spot. It's kind of crazy when you look at a draft class and you identify a running back as a team's best pick. You know that was not a good draft. Yeah, and that's tr- I think true for the Jaguars. So, and what's fr- frustrating about that is they drafted a running back in the first round two years ago. So. Ideally, that, that that wouldn't be their best pick, but they started with Anton Harrison, tackle out of Oklahoma. Now, typically, we like tackles, we like the investment there, but it just felt reachy. You know, uh, I'm not a big. It, it clearly was. We don't have a tackle now because of Cam Robinson's suspension. We have to, you know, do something. Yeah, I, I think I said li- on the live stream that that pick felt forced to me. You know, yeah, it is crazy though. You, we did see um, who what, was it? The Bills War Room was considering Harrison at twenty five. I don't fully remember, but one of those teams was. But it did see he was definitely a lock to go in the first round. Uh, it felt like by the time we got to draft night. Yeah, I would just hate to come away with a draft like, hey, we got the seventh best offensive tackle in the draft class in the first round. <laughs> Yeah. Chances are you didn't make your team that much better. Um, and I, Harrison was just not a guy that I loved. So um, that pick, bad. Tyreek Stevenson. They actually, that he was not drafted by the Jags. He was at the Bears. I'm not sure how he got into the Jags in our system. Oh, really? Who was their second round pick? Brenton Strange. Oh, God. This draft yeah. is even worse than I thought then. Yeah, exactly. I thought something. I was like, I don't remember the Jags having two picks, and then I checked real quick, and I was like, that's right. Oh my god! So Brenton Strange, this was a this was an awful pick. I mean, do you do you agree? Yeah, I mean, what tight ends were off the board at this point? Um, I'm I'm looking right now. So it was, there was a Mayor Porta Mayor Musgrave go, and then Kincaid. I think he might have been next. He definitely went before Darnell Washington. He went before Tucker Craft. Schoonmaker was before Brenton Strange? Yep, Schoonmaker was before Brenton Strange, which I like that pick way more than freaking Brenton Strange. Yeah. But, yeah, they they passed on Darnell Washington, and then they passed on Tucker Craft. That's the one that really makes no sense. Why pass on Tucker Craft here? Because like, you're, you're clearly going for that move tight end, that run-after-catch threat. So a little bit of H-back to him. Yeah, uh, Tucker does the same thing, just at a way higher level than Brenton Strange. You know who he is for the – he is uh, – gonna. I can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, the tight end that was with the, on the Eagles Super Bowl roster for Doug Peterson um, that threw the Philly special pass. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Oh, played Why? in Chicago for a few years after? I think the Colts. But, yeah, I think also Chicago. Trey Burton. Trey Burton. That's what it is. Yeah, that's a, that's what that's what this guy is to Doug Peterson. Oh God, that's gross. Well, they already have that guy in Evan Ingram. Uh Ingram's basically a wide receiver, but I get what you're saying. So was Trey Burton. The guy was like 230 pounds. Yeah, but like Ingram, they can't line up in the backfield and stuff really effectively. Anyway. Sure. Anyways, this is an egregious. It's pick. not a good pick either way. Tank Bigsby. Um, and you know what? Actually, real quick, they needed a tight, a legit tight end. Too. They don't have real tight ends on their roster, which makes it even more, I, like. 
Yeah, Luke Farrell I, I, and Garrett Prince are the other two on the roster right now. Oh, my gosh. So I thought Darnell Washington would have been a slam dunk for them. I even had a mock where I put him on the Jags because he's a perfect complement to Ingram. And if you're worried about that foot, what's the best way to mitigate that is not like not put him in a situation where he's got to be a full-time player, right? Yeah. Put him on the field with Ingram. You run a lot of 12 personnel, but even in your, when on your run downs, you have Washington in the game. Like, I just, I don't understand why you go with a Brenton stranger. It just made no sense. No. Yeah. So then they take tank Bigsby in the third, which is like you said, probably the best pick they made. And it's still not that awesome because you made high investment into ETN. They brought in, um, Dearness Johnson, who's had some success with the Browns, just feels like a force like, again. Like, why? Yeah, uh, I really don't know. I, I mean, Bigsby gives them three down potential. I think. Oh, you know, one thing to consider too is the, this regime isn't the regime that brought in Etienne. Yep. So it's, thing. it's like maybe they uh, don't love. Um, maybe they don't love what he's bringing to the table. I do think he might be a little overrated as a pass catcher, having watched him the last couple of years. Oh, they and they know that too. They hate throwing him the ball. They just right. don't do it. Right, and Bigsby might might offer that skill set a little bit more. So, and then Ventral Miller, linebacker from Florida, they picked. I just really did not like this pick either. So, I mean, they had a, a draft similar to the Lions in that they attacked a lot of positions that aren't super valuable. Tight end. Well, backup tight end for them, which is even worse. Running back and linebacker, but they just did it with just mad players. Yeah. They also took Edge, Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State in the fourth round. I'm but, doing that. Yeah. And then tons of late round picks, but nothing really of note. That is like, I can't believe they got them where they did. Yeah. So I went D minus on this class. Yeah. I'd go D. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Here's where it gets better, though. Indianapolis Colts, one of my favorite yeah. drafts. Yeah, we talked about them uh, the other day a decent amount. But, yeah, just just grab value everywhere, I felt like. Yeah, they and they attacked premium positions and premium athletes. You know, they got great athletes at every spot. Started with Anthony Richardson. This is my quarterback one in the class. I get him at four. This automatically makes me love the pick. I love Richardson. I love pairing him with Shane Steichen. I think that is a slam dunk. Probably the best pick in the whole draft, if I'm being honest. Just because Steichen's success with Hurts. It's like you needed Richardson to land in a in an environment like that with a guy who's done it. And Yeah. And sounds like he'll play almost right away. Steichen's made comments about guys don't learn watching, they learn by playing. So he's not wrong, especially when you're you have less than five hundred career dropbacks. Yeah. Or six hundred, whatever it is. Um yeah, so they're gonna roll him out probably yeah. sooner rather yeah. than later. Yeah, then they went uh, Julius Brents with their second round pick. Now this was was this after a trade back, Chris? It was. Yeah. Atlanta and Indy, right? Yeah, they traded back a few times. So I know uh, we had I had corners higher than Brents on the board at this spot, but like I said before. My, my big board is a generic big board. It's trying to accommodate how I feel in a vacuum of each player. If we were to individually stack the board for, for every team, certain players would fall off, certain players would get moved up, certain players would move down. Brent's in the Colts scheme is a slam dunk. 
if I were to re- reshuffle my board just for the Colts, I think Brents would be a top five corner for me for them because the way they play zone, the way they like length at corner, the way they play off off the ball and like instincts and length and ball skills. Brents brings all that to the table. Um, they're not they're not going to play a ton of man where they're asking guys to flip their hips. That was true before this regime came in, and now they're you know Steichen came in and is probably bringing the Philly defense with him. I presume, which is even more zone heavy. So it's like Brents is such a match made in heaven there. They're going to play a lot of cover three, and Brents is he should eat in cover three. With, you know, very similar to like a Tyreek Woolen skill set from a year ago, except he's he's a little bit more polished right now than Woolen was um, in college. Coming from a, a power five school obviously really helps. So um, I I love Brents for them. Then they went Josh Downs, receiver. You know how I feel about receivers and quarterbacks pairing those guys up. So yeah, don't love Josh Downs. Never liked Josh Downs as a second round receiver. Love him a lot as a third round pe- receiver in this offense with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman already on the roster. It just it just fits so perfectly. Yeah, and you know if you look at the the receivers that came off the board between let's see, we had what Mingo. I'm gonna quickly go through Mingo, Rashi Rice, Rashi Rice, Jaden Reed. Marvin Mims, and then is there anyone else between Mims and him? Let's see, no. Yeah, Tank Dell. Yeah, Tank. Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman. So there you go. Like all those guys I just named, minus Tank Dell, I had ahead of Downs on my board. So it's not like they went crazy and reached for him. You know, at wide receiver, they they actually kind of took him where he should go in that in that order. So. No issues with it. I mentioned it, I think, on the Monday pod. Downs especially works for them because they needed that dedicated slot guy. Tank Dell would have been the other guy that really would have worked here, but he obviously went earlier than Downs. But they have Pierce and Michael Pittman who are both just towers and need to play on the on the boundaries. They don't, Those guys just don't do well in the middle. I know they tried it with Pittman a little bit, playing like that big slot. Just yikes. Big yikes. They need to get his eight out stretched out a little bit because he's not a yards after catch guy. Um, and I think Downs will help with that underneath blanket. He'll also make give give Richardson a lot of easy throws underneath. So Yep. Um I agree with all that. one constant theme too, Chris, through this draft, I noticed uh, <clears throat> my player comps were so spot on this year. You know who my player comp was for Josh Downs? No. Mm, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. The Colts. Yeah, this happens so many times where my comp for a player, the, the guy, the team that drafted him ended up just being the team that the, the previous player had played for. So weird. Yeah, Chris Ballard probably saw the same thing. He's watching. He's like, yeah. I, know, I know I've seen this guy before. Yeah, and, and Downs even has a little bit more underneath run after catch ability than T.Y. did. T.Y. brought the vertical element to the slot. I think Downs will bring that, but it'll also be more of that security blanket for, for Richardson. So. And then they, they finished out their their impact picks with Blake Freeland, offensive tackle BYU, and Ada Tamawa Adabare, the edge edge slash D tackle from Northwestern. I really like both these picks. One, they're both freak athletes. So if you're if you're taking darts on guys in the late third and fourth rounds, yes, bet on traits, bet on you know physical traits, things you can't teach. Those guys you know have a shot to develop freeland needs to add bulk and mass to his frame and get a little bit stronger with an ability to drop anchor but he he's got all of the the pass protection chops they need to do invest in that offensive line because it's kind of depreciated the last couple of years and then at I, I i don't understand why he lasted as long as he did chris there has to be medicals there right 
you would think. I, I heard some people didn't love his tape as well, so maybe teams didn't know if he could transition to the NFL and whatnot. But like you said, athletic freak, though. So if you can mold him and get his technique yep. to where you like it, he could definitely be a good player. Yeah. The thing with his tape, I agree. There's elements to his tape you do not like, but Northwestern did him no favors. He played right. in a really wonky defensive line setup. They had a lot of three-man rush type stuff where he's lined up head over a tackle, basically two-gapping in the run game. And then – so basically he's he's tackle reading as a pass rusher. So he's going to be slow out of his stance. He's reading what the tackles do. And then after he diagnoses pass, he's allowed to pass rush. So a lot of his reps are that. He has a lot of reps at three technique – Inside at 280 pounds, a lot of reps at one technique, nose tackle at 280 pounds, and then he's got a lot of reps at wide nine from a two-point stance. Like, they use this guy everywhere. He didn't really have a position. He just played a ton of snaps and, you know, didn't. I think that slowed down some of the development, but also, like, yeah, he's getting washed out in the run game when he's playing one technique. He's 280 pounds, so the tape's going to look bad, but you have, to, you have to contextualize it, right? Same conversation with Tyree Wilson in Texas Tech. There's a lot of bad reps on tape because they were playing him out of position. So you have to right. you have to f- figure out what traits are translatable. I I thought Edebari had a lot of translatable traits to the NFL that will make him a really good edge setter. Um, I don't see him as a D-tackle. I see him as yeah. a guy who's going to be a, your close side edge and then maybe kick inside on pass downs. But yeah. And they, they don't have to force him anywhere. They've got solid starters on the D-line as it is and, yep. and can figure out where he plays best. They don't have to force him to play anything. Yeah, and if you, you know, GMs always have their types, by the way. I, I don't think a GM drafted based on type more than, than Ballard did this year. Like, if you look at the guys they've drafted on the edge lately, it's been um, Deo, I don't even know how to say his name, from Vanderbilt a couple of years ago. Um, who's the other guy they just drafted recently? Kobe Pay. Kobe Pay, Tyquan Lewis. Like, we're talking long athletic edge defenders at a bar. kind of just fits right in with those guys. So, yeah. And then they nail the, the back half of the draft. Like they take their non-premium positions, tight end, Will Meyer, running back, Evan Hall, uh, safety, Daniel Scott. That's how you, that's when you want to take these late round guys, especially when you have guys there that also can play and you don't need them like this compared to the Jacksonville team or draft is just so opposite. And you can just see how much better it works this way. It really is. That's and that's bulky versus Ballard for you. I mean, the Will Mallard pick is super sneaky. You don't want to give a team a ton of praise for a fifth round pick, but I do think time will bear out that that was a great pick. Mallory is an elite pass catching option as a tight end, as far as a prospect goes, and he just his skill set pairs really well with a Jelani Woods or a Mo Ali Cox, who are big inline type tight ends. They do have a little vertical juice because they're athletic guys, but they're not going to be out there running crisp routes and and being a mismatch weapon for you where Will Mallory is. So I love the compliment and the contrast Will Mallory brings. And again, we're talking about giving Anthony Richardson easy throws, right? Because we want to get that accuracy on track. Will Mallory is going to do that. Put him in the slot, give him a mismatch, let him win. Yep. A, I think it's an A-plus draft. Yeah, I went A-plus. Houston. <clears throat> People are going to be mad at my grade for Houston because – they're going to say, well, they came out of the draft with C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and, and Nathan Dell. Like, you think that's that's a great draft, right? On paper, sure, but when you you know factor in, they traded to do, yeah, what it took to get back to three to take Will Anderson Jr. That you should. I'm sorry, there's no rookie prospect that's not a quarterback that is worth 
that. Yeah. What would Will Anderson have to be to pick to be worth that? He'd have to be what, like Reggie White? Yeah. Uh, well, Joey Bosa, I would say, like a healthy Joey Bosa. I think he's got to be better than Joey Bosa. He's got to be TJ Watt. More like his brother Nick. I mean, Nick's had a lot more. Nick has a lot better teammates to play next to as well, though. Yeah, so. I think Joey, like 2018, when he was peaking and not hurt. Yeah. I think he was better than Nick. But to your point, Nick's been more consistent the last few years. Yeah. So like what TJ? Yeah, he's got to be a game wrecker, like a, a defensive player of the year candidate year over year. Yeah. Like he's got to be that kind of player. And, well, and the consensus on Anderson was that he, while he is an awesome talent, good player, nobody really ever said, you know, this is Miles Garrett. Like you take him first overall every time. Exactly. Exactly. And then, so after they did that whole debacle, they took Juice Scruggs. <laughs> that was the worst pick in the draft at the time. And I think probably still is according to our model. It, it, I mean, our social media team at Fantasy Points was memeing this pick because it was so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it was a 37th percentile pick. He was 164 on my board. They took him 102 picks before that. What are we doing? Wait, didn't they also trade up to get him too? They didn't, uh, they didn't naturally have pick 62, did they? I don't think they did. I don't think they did. No, they traded with the Eagles. Yeah. They traded like three spots. So they trade, yeah. But still, you traded up to, to reach on a guy like Juice Scruggs. I, I don't know. Someone, maybe I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the tape on him. I did not see a second round talent there at all. And they left. You talk for a second so I can look up who they left on the board. <laughs> yeah. And he, I mean, he might be, he's penciled on ESPN. He's currently penciled in as their starting center, which is, you know, they didn't have an awesome center, but. Not great to, for your rookie QB to be playing with a potentially very below average center in his first year. Um, does have awesome talent surrounding him. I mean, Kenyon Green, Laramie Tunsil, Shaq Mason, Titus Howard. He might be the only like not great player on the on the offensive line. Just see who else they left. Yeah. Am I yeah. Osiris Torrance. Sure was there am i seeing that right torrance went to buffalo yeah um, there were better savala anthony bradford um even ricky stromberg is no torrance went 59 so oh, okay three picks before right on and yeah and that was just those are just interior offensive linemen. There are better interior offensive linemen on the board by a lot than, than Juice Scruggs. Luke Weipler, I don't know why he lasted so long, though. So maybe we yeah. should ask Weipler. But, um, and then just the next few picks after that were all good picks. Zach Pickens, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Drew Sanders, Hendon Hooker, Tank Dell, Byron Young, Alabama Byron Young, Henry Miller, Garrett Williams, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Zach Harrison. So, like, you just left a ton of value on the board by reaching for a guy that you just really didn't need to reach for I felt like yeah and then yeah. Tank Bell in the third I don't I know this isn't a terrible pick but I don't love the pick you just they have no clear wide receiver one on that team right now I, I don't who knows what Mechie or Nico Collins is but and so theoretically maybe Tank Dell which although did you see they're Mechie's gonna play the slot and they said Tank Dell's playing on the outside <laughs> 
Well, I mean, Stroud's used to playing with diminutive receivers out there. Like Garrett Wilson's tiny. That that doesn't make that doesn't mean Tank Dell's gonna get open. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just they're the they're, team who drafted Xavier Hutchinson too, right? Yeah. When you when your wide receiver room is what the Texans is drafting a twenty two year old, right? Or is he even older than that? He's he's like twenty. He's old. He's like twenty three or twenty four, I think. Uh, wide receiver with only one amazing breakout season for Utah, not even a power five team just not doesn't seem like the best landing spot yeah he's uh he's 24 years old yeah that that receiver room has got an interesting it's like a it's like going through the grocery store and you're just grabbing everything that looks nice (laughs) off the shelf (laughs) then you get home and you realize well what i can't make anything with this yeah this doesn't i can't make a meal out of this this is what is this? I feel like that's what they did at wide receiver this offseason. Yeah. Now they definitely upgraded the talent there. Like if Woods still has a pulse, you know, adding Hutchinson and Dell, Noah Brown, like they definitely added some talent. Dalton Schultz, you know, pass catcher. I just don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do with all these guys. No. So very, very interesting. Ultimately, I scored this draft as a C plus. Yeah, that sounds fair. I mean, taking the QB at two was the smart decision, whether you believe in Stroud or not. Take they don't have one. Take your shot and and try to, you know, build something. Yes. All right, we'll close it out with the Tennessee Titans. Um I I actually like their draft quite a bit, Chris. Even though I don't like one of the players they drafted very highly, but I felt like they got really good value on said player, so I liked it. And they started with Peter Skaronsky at 11. This was almost predictable. There were a lot of mocks coming out where, shoot, this I had this uh, team player match. I had Skaronsky going 11 of the Titans, and my mock draft was terrible. So um, <laughs> t- tells you all you need to know. But just sitting pat at 11, watching the chaos unfold in front of you, and then getting a player like Skaronsky. You know, the, day the one best, starter for them. Yeah, day one started the best offensive lineman in the draft. Um, maybe not the best offensive tackle, but the best offensive lineman for sure. He's going to start somewhere on that offensive line, and he's going to be really good from day one. I'm pretty confident in that. So I, I did like that. They desperately needed an injection of talent in their into their O-line. <clears throat> and then they make the move in the second round to come up for Will Levis. I thought that was – I think I, I've, I've stated the breaking point for me on Levis was like pick 15 in the first round. Anytime after that, I think it's a good value. And they got him, what, pick 33, 34? Yep, 33. Yeah, so good pick. Yeah, potentially hit your QB of the future in the second round. I mean, that's that's a win to me. So Yeah, they do need to decide what they want to do with Tannehill. Uh, do, like, are they going to try to win? The, they, they just have so many holes across there, particularly the offense. I mean, other than Skaronsky, like the offensive line is in shambles. They have very little to no wide receiver talent. Derrick Henry's an older. They take Tajay Spears in the third, who's a player we both like, but how does he really fit with Henry on the team? The um Yeah, and the more we find out about Spears' medical situation, that makes that pick even more strange. Yeah, it sounds like he has a short uh career ahead of him potentially. Yeah, basically it came out that he he's missing an ACL in his left knee. I mean, even our own doctor, Edwin Parias, said um, that that's 
based on what he's seen, this is this is a guy who's like two two to three years max. Now you wonder if <laughs> they acknowledge that and they're like, well, that's cool. We'll we'll just use him and Henry together, and and they'll both together they'll elongate each other's career. <laughs> you know, Spears will take a little pressure off Henry, but he'll never get a full workload, so he'll last a few years longer. I still don't know why you'd take that guy in the third round. Yeah, he's definitely a third round talent. Like, no question about that. It's just if this team, if they trade Tannehill, is this team finishing in last, or is the Texans finishing last in this division? Oh, so but, I think Tannehill can get them with some wins if he's the starter for the whole year. The one thing working in the Texans' favor is they presumably have a very good offensive line. Yes, they definitely do. Um, That's why I'm saying I think I think this this might be a worse team. But although Vrabel does some, you know, beats the Chiefs randomly, so he's he's a wizard coach. Yeah, that stuff. They definitely be in a battle for it, though. I want. I almost want them to do it. Just tank. Get a high pick, play Levis this year, trade Tannehill to the Falcons so we can get some more uh, capital. Yeah. Yeah, get, get a little more capital and then just play for the draft next year and then kind of retool, reboot. I mean, their offseason decisions kind of implicate that that's what they're doing to an extent, right? They, yeah. I mean, they move on from Robert Woods. They don't really bring in any. They brought in Andre Dillard from the Eagles to play left tackle. Not, not great. Well, it's, um, it's never too late to invest in the offensive line, though, or too early, I should say. Right. Yeah. Other than that, though, like they had no big moves. Yeah, and they let Bud Dupree walk. They did resign Jeffrey Simmons to a big deal. But he's kind of a cornerstone player for them, so that's Absolutely. that's okay. Absolutely, he is. Um, yeah, they they just need players at a lot of spots. If if some of these corners they've drafted, oh, Sean Murphy Bunting they brought in. Um, like if Christian Fulton could take a step forward, that would be awesome for them. Yeah, they've got to be frustrated with their secondary. They've invested so a lot much. of picks. Yeah, I mean, just going through like Elijah Molden, third round. He's supposed to be their slot corner. That was just two years ago, mm-hmm. and they had to bring in Sean Murphy Button Bunting to compete there for that starting job. Roger McCreary, a second round pick last year. Mm-hmm. Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley, a first round pick yeah. two years ago. Christian Fulton. Uh, a second round pick three years ago, Amani Hooker, a fourth round pick. They paid Kevin Biard a truckload of money. Like on paper, this secondary should be way better than it is for what they've invested in. What they've invested, yeah. So you got to wonder what, what's going on there. But huh. Anyways, I scored. I scored this draft class as a B plus, even though they they limited capital and they wasted a pick on Spears. I just felt like Skr- the value on Skaronski and Levis really carried this draft class and. You know, even if those if those are the only two guys that hit, like they should, they should be all right. Yeah, I think B B plus is is good. Yeah. All right, sweet. That's gonna do it. A little faster than yesterday. We got through two whole divisions. We'll do two more tomorrow. You want to pick them now, Chris, so the people can get excited. Uh, let's do. Let's do the NFC AFC North. NFC AFC North. Okay. NFC, AFC North coming at you tomorrow. We will be back. Thanks for listening. We are Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.